0: It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner.
1: And good afternoon, I'm Anthony Weiner. Thank you for meeting me in the middle, an hour every Saturday at 2 when we take some steps away from the hot takes of the far left and the far right and try to bring some context to the news of the week or a subject that doesn't find its way into the middle of the conversation enough. So grateful that you're with me on this beautiful day. Izzy and Ava and Kevin on the other side of the glass helping me get through this day, still teaching me what I need to know. Here on Talk Radio 77 WABC, the most powerful AM radio station in the nation. Here in the middle every Saturday from 2 to 3. And then following that, Curtis Lee will, comes in at 3 o'clock, and we talk about some of the issues that we have in common, some that divide us. I'm sure we'll be talking a little bit about guys walking into McDonald's armed with hatchets. I'm going to start wearing one of those shields like they have in Game of Thrones. If you can't join us live at uh, 2 o'clock, you can always download the... 77 WBC app or tune in on wbcradio.com or even get this as a podcast on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I am at Rep Wiener, and my email address, W A B C at gmail.com. So great to have you along, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. It is, as I said, just a beautiful day outside. You kind of get the feeling that these are like the golden days um, when it hasn't started to get really cold yet. You can wear a sweater if you want, but you don't really need it. But hockey season is underway. This morning, you know, Jordan, I told you the drama. at the um, Back in the fall and winter, he had made his travel team, and I was rooting really hard for him. If you recall, I was on the air when I found out. And today was the first practice. They practice at 7 a.m. on Saturdays and Sundays. So there you go. That's what I was doing early this morning. But that's not really bad for me. I like to get up early anyway, and he was up and at them and had a lot of fun. Also, you know, he got his new new uniform today, and this week he got his new hockey bag. And I mentioned a couple of weeks ago when he was up in camp, it was the first time he kind of came to grips. He's ten and a half years old. The first time he came to grips with the idea that his name, Wiener, is something that sometimes kids might make fun of, or so I've heard. And the amazing thing is it took it to 10 and a half years old for him to realize this. He goes to such an emo, sensitive, non-bullying school that this might be the first time. So he asked, can I just put his first and middle name on his bag? And I'm like, no, you can't do that. They need to know whose bag it is, and they won't know if it's just Jordan Zane. That's his middle name, by the way. It is a pretty cool name, Jordan Zane. He's named after whom his dad. And uh, so I said, here's what I'll do. I'll fill in as many letters as they let, and I'll put your whole name, you know, one of these forms you fill out, and they just make the stencil straight from that. So I put Jordan Zane Wiener, his full name. And like none of the other kids have that, but all right, if it'll help you. And uh, we got the bag yesterday. Sure enough, it just says Wiener. So he's – yeah, I get a little ribbing. What the, I, I, look, I keep telling him this is what makes you tough. It prepares you for a life in radio. Um, Keys to the City, the podcast that I produce each week at landed this week – a little bit of a mixed bag. I mentioned to you that um, the last week's version was a little bit crazy because I had to want to have a conversation about body-worn cameras by police officers and whether they're working, what kind of concerns the police might have. It was a really terrible interview this week. was much better. The problem was that my microphone wasn't great, the fancy one that I bought at um, at Best Buy or somewhere. It taught me a lesson because you know, uh, Mike Garcia is this amazing producer that helps me with the with the production of the thing. Uh, he couldn't make it this week to help me out, and I was on my own, and I naturally I screwed it up. But the content is amazing. The, um, we, we had a conversation with someone who was there both as an officer when they created the body camera program, expresses his concerns about it, but also expresses what he thinks is a real uh, note of optimism about how they're being used. And straight from here on this beautiful afternoon, I am going to the Staten Island Ferry Hawks. It is Fan Appreciation Weekend. I know John Matidis, Chad Lopez, and a bunch of the guys are going to be out there tomorrow. I'm going out there today with five boys, age 10 and a half. So if you don't see me next week, I, they probably threw me off the side of the ferry or something like that. I'm really excited to. As you know, for those of you who are not aware of this, I, I say this because Kevin doesn't say this stuff as closely as I do. The Ferry Hawk is named because back in the early 1500s, there wasn't the Arizona Bridge yet. That was built in 1964, and they hadn't brought the ferries yet. And so people would travel by being carried in the claws of the North American ferry hawk. And they were very big birds, and they had claws that were tight with their grip but not very sharp. So they were perfect for taking people across. And what they would do – and they were trained, obviously, because otherwise, they, who knows where they take you to Rhode Island or something like that. So they were trained to take commuters kind of by the scruff of their neck, the, the – the, if you look at the at the at what people used to wear in those days, are kind of heavy garments, so they can grab you by the shoulders and they would carry you over to the shore of Staten Island. And so the ferry hawkwoods are no longer around as much as they used to be. There's still some, um, and so it's named for that animal, which used to shuttle people across the 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 uh, the water there. Uh, so we're going to go out and see the Staten Island Ferry Hawks. It's going to be fun. It's a it's a beautiful night for that. There are fireworks at the end. If you are there, if you're there with your kids, bring them over. We'll say hello to Jordan and Lucas and Chase and Jackson and Shane. And uh, I'll be you know hovering under my chair because they're probably going to be whatever they do to berate me. So uh, we got a great episode today. It took a little bit of a sideway turn. I'll explain that in a minute. But before we get into the subject of the day, let me talk a little bit about the numbers of the week. Each week I like to talk about some of the numbers that I found interesting in the week. <clears throat> the first number is 57. That is the number of home runs that Aaron Judge has. But that's not the number I want to call attention to. He now leads the guy who's running second in the home run race. I think it's Mike Trout of the Angels. By 21 home runs. Do you know the last time someone led the second-place guy by 21 home runs? A gentleman named Babe Ruth did it. That's the last time. I mean, if you're missing out, as I've said a thousand times, I'm a Yankee I'm a Met fan. I'm not a Yankee fan. But if you're missing out the truly historic thing that Aaron Church is doing this year, it is just amazing. It is one for the ages. Now, again, I'm not a Yankee fan. Maybe a caller will tell me what um what's going on i didn't know he batted first he batted lead off yesterday maybe they're doing it just to get more at bats but it didn't work out as they had another meltdown um that's one number of the week second number is 8.7 8.7% that's the social security cost of living adjustment that senior citizens who get social security each year it's adjusted so it keeps up with the rate of inflation so it's not eaten away by inflation this year it's the highest it will be in 40 years now that's I mean that's a deceptive number because you reason if that high is ultimately bad news for the economy because inflation the month of August eight point three percent, the stock market is getting hammered. Talk to my dad and he's like it's the end of the world. I'm like dad you're you're pushing ninety. I'm not I mean. Okay, I'm just saying that you know you just in, 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 enjoy today is what I'm saying. But so the stock market has been crushed. The the economy is just. It's it's getting it's getting crazy because in August actually the market was doing very well. It took back all its losses um, in the month of uh, of August, uh, in in the last uh, last week rather. Um, another terrible number is fourteen. Kevin Bryan, age thirty five, became the fourteenth person this year to die, being held at Rikers Island. I mean, I know we have these conversations about crime. We have these conversations about holding people without bail. We have these, you know, the idea that we're taking people into custody. And they are dying at a rate at these rates. This, this guy hung himself in a staff quarters, a staff bathroom at Rikers. Just tragic. Final number is 15. That is the number of weeks that Lindsey Graham, you might have read this, wants there to be a national abortion ban. So throw out all that we said a few weeks ago when we were talking about this issue and people called in and said, no, each state can make their own rules. It's returning it to the states. No, Lindsey Graham is saying he wants there to be a national ban. Um, and that led me to what was going to be a very well-researched, somewhat interesting, a little bit arcane subject this week. I was going to have a conversation, it was suggested by my friend Dal Lamagna, to talk about the Equal Rights Amendment. And I know, don't don't get, I'm not doing it, but I had a lot of research on it because it's fascinating. Because you need 38 states to amend the Constitution. Do you know how many states have voted for the Equal Rights Amendment? That's right, 38. And I was going to have this great conversation about what's interesting about it and how it came to be. And then out of nowhere, someone named Perla was paid $200 in San Antonio to round up people who had traveled mostly by foot from Venezuela to give them fast food gift cards and coax them onto a plane to Boston where they were told that work papers awaited them. And once they were on the plane and they stopped in Florida and then stopped in South Carolina, ultimately they landed in Martha's Vineyard. And suddenly my idea for a show this week changed dramatically. So who took credit for this? One Ron DeSantis. We've heard so much about this. Um, Using taxpayer proceeds from COVID funds under a law that the Florida legislature had passed to give him the right to transport the undocumented from his state, Florida. Now, I don't want to – let's put aside for a moment that that didn't happen. They were transported from Texas. But I have to say this whole thing reminds me about why I started this show. It reminds me why people say they can't stand politics. It reminds me why they say they can't stand politicians – Everything about this week was about performance and stunts and Twitter owns and viral whatever on both sides. Um, it's insulting. I mean, oh, who? This will show them. This will show them. Who show who what? <laughs> I mean, what's the what? What is the purpose of this stunt? You know, we'll show them what it's like to be a border town, dude. I live in New York City. I live in a border town. 40% of the residents of this city are first-generation New Yorkers. We know from being a border town we are a border town. People get off all over the country, all over the world, and they they say, all right, I want to go to New York. So they're going to take them to Boston. Boston's a border town, too. They got lots of – you know, now, Martha's Vineyard. You know, okay, oh, I get it. Oh, boy, oh, yeah, people vacation there. I get there. You know – People come from different places and then they come here and they don't just come here. They come to Iowa and they come to South Dakota and they come to upstate New York. They come here. So like, okay, we're going to do this. Boy, we're really going to show them, you know, who show who CNN and MSNBC and whoever else. I mean, we're smart enough to understand all of this. You know, our listeners here on the middle, our listeners, we're smart enough to get this. The border is a mess. So many, many people are showing up at the border asking to come into our country. How many? Two million people have been stopped this year so far. Open border. Open border. Two million have been stopped. Donald Trump didn't do that in two years. And these people who are coming here, like everyone's like, okay, these people, they're illegals. No. I've I've gone through this. Go to episode four if you want a short version of this rant. But no, they're not illegals. We are a sanctuary country, you know. They, you can show up here and ask for asylum. That's what's in our law. You can change the law if you want. Donald Trump proposed changing the law. Barack Obama proposed changing the Did George Bush propose changing the law? Well, Donald Trump didn't really. He, held a, he put out a good statement that's still available on the White House website. It's in the archives. You can look at it. He said, let's fix it. He never introduced a bill to do it, and the Republicans would never in a million years do it because they don't want to be accused of amnesty. And a lot of these people, by the way, probably can't stay. They probably won't be able to stay because most asylum applications are turned down. So why are they coming? Well, I'll give you one clue. These people, that, these 50 that wound up in Martha's Vineyard, these people came from Venezuela, coincidentally. None of them spoke English. I mean I'm not going to get into the outrage about these being human beings. We're all – we're good people who listen to this show. We're good people. We understand how outrageous that part was. But why are they coming? Do you know what the inflation rate in Venezuela is this year? 144%. Do you know what it's been on average over the last three years? 208%. There's a term hyperinflation. They've had They can't feed their families. It's actually down. I tell you, the inflation rate is down there at 144%. Maduro has driven that country into the ground. And they want to come here and work. By the way, we have the jobs. Agricultural employment, the number of agricultural workers available is down 75%. You wonder why we have food inflation? We can't find people to do the work. And the first question they ask when they get off the the bus in New York, when they get off the plane, is where can I work? How do they trick them onto these buses? Go read the stories. We got work for you. What is the first thing they ask when they get off in the city? We got work for you. Because they want to take their money and send it home. And they ideally would like to leave, by the way. So why do they do this? The stunt, I mean. What's the purpose? What, what is Ron DeSantis and others in, in addition to entertaining us and having something to yell and scream about and making people roll their eyes? Well, when we come back, I'll try to understand that and I'll try to explain it and I'll try to bring some context to it. And I'm so grateful you're along. I mean, I sound exasperated, but I'm really happy to be here. I'm happy you're along with us. 800 for wabc When we come back at the other side, also – I'll explain a little bit an interaction I had with the NYPD that if I was still on probation probably would have gotten me in, in some trouble. Here on The Middle, so great to have you along. We'll see you on the other side.
0: It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner.
1: And welcome back to the middle. I'm Anthony Wiener. Tears for Fears. It takes a little longer to get into that song than I thought. I thought it had a really good lead in. Tears for Fears is the band we're going to be featured today. It was Kitty's idea. We had a little bit of a disagreement about what would be the top three best songs of theirs. We'll see. But this is definitely, definitely an iconic one. So we're talking about immigration. And, and, and you know, look, first of all, I, I like political stunts as much as the next guy. Um, I can think of some that I've done over the course of time. I remember I used to do this press conference every year. I was complaining about the high cost of credit cards, the store credit cards, and I would keep, I would order store credit cards like from the Gap and Banana Republic just to cut them up in a press conference. The day, you know, on Thanksgiving Friday, you know, Black Friday. I remember once I did a stunt in Congress where I proposed to eliminate the Medicare program. Because it's socialized medicine, and I want to get all of my colleagues to get up and say they are opposed to Medicare or they supported social I, I I get stunts. this one was pretty outrageous because it involved human beings and human trafficking and all that kind of but 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 I think what I would say is that the stunt was successful and it got everyone kind of chattering and it was it had a certain like outrage element to it and other things, but you've got to understand that sending Migrants to New York City and to Boston and to D.C., cities are used to dealing with immigrants. And not only that, they're popular there. Um, people come to the, to the United States and make their way to places like – to cities all the time. Um, and it's not just to cities as I, as I mentioned earlier. You know? So like who is, the, who is the target for this? Well, the country is fairly pro-immigration. In 1995, this is an interesting number. In 1995, you know Gallup does this annual poll where they ask people to choose between three things. They think that should, immigration should be increased, immigration should be decreased, or immigration should stay about where it is. And they've done the same question going back to 1967, okay? So in 1995, 65 percent said that they would prefer a decrease in immigration of those three choices. Today, it's 38%. It's slightly up. It was at 35%. But nearly 60% say either the same or more. So the idea that Ron DeSantis did this epic, you know, game-changing thing on – and by the way, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. People like talking about this issue. The board is already filling up. But the idea that DeSantis did this incredible bit of political jujitsu kind of misunderstands things a little bit. But where is it popular? It's popular with the type of voters who I say in my opening that the middle was intended to kind of push off from, which is hard right voters who choose the nominee for the Republican Party. And maybe on the other side, the people who are having the most virulent reaction are the hard left who believe that maybe we should have no regulations or borders. But in the people who matter this year in the midterm elections and in these Senate races all around, the middle in our country after whom our show is named, they don't like this kind of stunt around things. Um, they don't like that people are are snickering about it. I mean we have a cut where um, Mike Pompeo was asked about this, and I think he literally – is he. do we have that? He literally laughed.
0: <laughs> you know, these are all sanctuary cities until they're in their sanctuary. Right. I, I doubt they'll embrace them.
1: Well, th- that's Mike Pompeo. He's, now, he's talking to, on a Fox show, talking to right right-leaning voters who he's going to need to become the Republican nominee for president. I get it. But what is he talking about? I mean, first of all <laughs> – a word about this sanctuary city thing. First of all, the word sanctuary is said 134 times in the King James Bible. And famously, I think I'll think a line from Prince's Bride captures it best. You keep in the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. I mean, sanctuary cities does not mean what some of people seem to think it means. Sanctuary, what, is it, what do people think it means? All the sanctuary cities are, are cities... Whose police departments have said that if you cooperate in like in order to get everyone to cooperate in dealing with the authorities, we're not going to do enforcement for the for immigration, for ICE. We're not going to do government. And inform- by the way, we don't do federal enforcement on most things. But it doesn't mean that you get some magic key to the kingdom or something. It just means that a bunch of cities came to the law enforcement conclusion and asked any police commissioner, ask Mayor Giuliani, ask anybody. It's a good policy because it means that that citizens are inclined to help out with authorities when they're trying to to solve crimes. And so we basically say in our city, if you step forward and help the police and be a witness and be a good citizen, we're not going to come help us figure out what your asylum status is. But they're trying to mock it like it's something terrible. When does sanctuary become a bad word? It's I mean the branding that goes on sometimes in politics puzzles me. But putting that aside for a moment, you know, so what does this do? Does it make Ron DeSantis a hero to 25 percent of the second most popular country a uh, party in the country? Yeah, of the right part of the Republican Party, this makes him a, a hero, and they're all loving it and. I get it. People on, on this network, on this, on this station, a lot of callers, they love it. They love it. He's amazing. And 50% of the other party, my party, is outraged. The other 50% is like, we've seen this show before. We're not that taken by it. But I just want – I want to express the idea that for folks in the middle who think that none of this is on the level, who just roll their eyes and go back to looking for someone, anyone, who will just work to make things better – I mean, what are, who are they? Who's speaking for them? I mean, arguably, Biden tries. So we've now spent this whole week having this conversation. Because as cruel as this stunt was on a human level, who were props, what about the rest of us? I mean, the midterm election is in 52 days. We're choosing a governor. I mean, people are suffering. The economy is struggling. And this is what we get. Not a plan, not a debate, not a bill, not even a big speech. It used to be if you wanted to be the president, you gave a big speech about what you would do about immigration. Now we get 50 people from Venezuela sent to Martha's Vineyard, organized by the governor of Florida, to send a message to the people who are going to caucus in Iowa, I guess, so that people can chuckle and yell and high-five each other on Twitter. That's it. I mean, it's exasperating. I mean, it really is. And there's so much about this debate, this debate, that is just—it's all over the map in its phoniness. You know, people are like, "Oh my goodness, uh, MS-15 and 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 fentanyl are coming into the country, and they're being carried by these 15." No, by the way. Again, I mean, there's a lot of these issues. I touched a lot of them in episode four about this, and I'm willing to have this conversation with anyone who wants to call and talk about them again because I think people, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222, I think people legitimately want a plan, and a plan is not hard to get. But I tell you this, if you are concerned about terrorists, if you're concerned about MS-15, is it 15? -15? MS-15, MS-14, I don't know, one of the MSs. If you're concerned about fentanyl, this situation where there's – Two million people lining up to come here for economic reasons, lined up with no real process to to deal with them. This is what they prefer. You You separate out the people who are here undocumented and figure out a way to document them. Let people come in for brief periods of time, work and then leave, which is what they want to do. Work with employers so the employers are accountable for the workers that they have. Fortify the border, build the wall, whatever it takes to, to make it so that people you know, can't slip through. Right now they're coming over with whatever ways they can and they're walking up to the nearest border officer and presenting themselves. That's why the two million number is, is a mix of a lot of different things. The people who are in Martha's Vineyard right now were not under arrest. They came here for asylum. They are not illegal. They're free to go. Now they can't work because of our silly laws. They can't work. Did you know that? While they're waiting for asylum, technically they can't work now. They're going to. (laughs) But the whole thing is ridiculous. And if they want to go out to Iowa and help deal with our food inflation by working on farms, if they want to do that, can they get a fake Social Security number and pay Social Security tax and never get Social Security? Sure they can. Does an employer have any way to check it? No. These things can be fixed. If Ron DeSantis wants to lead our country, and he clearly does, he went to Harvard and Yale. He talks about elites all the time. He went to Harvard and Yale, for God's sakes. He's a smart guy. Come up with a plan. Sit down. Pass a law. The people that are here now, the 13 on, undocumented that are here, all around us doing the work to keep our city going, to keep our country going. Bring them out of the shadows. Say, we're not going to put you in the front of the line. We're going to make you pay a fine. We're going to put you at the end of the line. We're going to make sure you can speak English. We're going to make sure that you're eligible to be a citizen. Make sure you haven't committed any crimes. We're going to make sure you've been paying taxes. And then you're going to get – you're going to be at the end of the line. You'll have to wait a while, but eventually – and in the meantime, you can go work. It's called a plan. And people that want to come here for other reasons, family reunification, things like that, you've got to apply and stay in, 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 stay in your country. But we're going to increase the numbers so you don't, you don't feel like you've got it. Break the rules. And for people who come here on asylum, we're going to have a fast system. You're not going to stay here for a year waiting. We're going to have adjudicating officers, not just judges, because they take too long to get in place, adjudicating officers who know the rules, who can have quick hearings. You come here, if you're eligible to come here under the asylum, you get to stay. If you're not, you turn around and go back. Venezuela, you can't do that with. We don't have government, we don't have relations with Venezuela, so it's a complicated issue. But complicated issues require leadership. I know we want to do politics. I know we want to yell and scream at each other. I know we want to own each other on, on Twitter. But really, let's try, to, let's try to make this thing. And how much misinformation do we need about all this stuff? People are like, "Oh my God, but Joe Biden is flying people around. It's not the flying people. By the way, if Ron DeSantis said, I'm going to put these I'm going to make an arrangement with the farm belt to put these people to the red states that are desperately trying to find workers. And I'm going to explain to these people what happened and get a translator and not trick them onto a plane and send them to Barack Obama's backyard or Kamala. That would actually be doing a little something. I mean it would be weird, but hey, at least you're making a point about what we need to learn about fixing our immigration system. And for those of my younger listeners who are like, oh my goodness, this issue, this new issue of immigration. No, immigration, this issue has been the same The difference was in the 80s when I got to Capitol Hill and it was Tip O'Neill and Ronald Reagan and Alan Simpson, the most conservative guy from Wyoming, and Chuck Schumann, the most liberal guy from Brooklyn. You sat down in a legislature and you tried to get something done. You gave a little bit. The left didn't like what they were giving up. The right got their pro-business workers. We had a different program for these farm workers. They were able to leave and guess what they did? They would go. They were called seasonal workers because they would leave. They didn't want to stay. Our immigration lawyers are are, are – our immigration laws are locking people in, not out right now. When you speak honestly with someone who's working here and undocumented, they want nothing more than to go home to their families to see them. But they can't because they can't risk not being able to come back in. So they send money back and they wait and hope. And i got to tell you, the middle on the left and the right understands this. That's why the numbers are so – we understand how immigration helps. But this isn't helping anything. And on the other side, I'm going to take some calls. There are some people who are not happy with what I have to say. There are people who are not happy with what I have to say. And there are some people who want to talk about the Eagle Rights Amendment. No, no, no. It's the Equal Rights Amendment. That's a different thing. I know I talk about fairy hawks. We'll get to that as well. So great to have you along. So grateful on the middle.
0: Anthony Weiner, 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. <laughs> it's The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner.
1: World, welcome back. It's Anthony Weiner on the middle every Saturday from two to three. Coming up at three o'clock, Curtis, Lewa and I will talk about the issues of the day. Anything that has to do with a hatchet, sign me up. I want to hear about the hatchet man of Delancey Street. And I will share. I was hoping to get to it during my show, but I think I'll have to wait till uh, Curtis comes in. My, I had an interaction with the NYPD yesterday. Um, it, it had, a, fun, it's, it had a, a fine ending. I didn't wind up in uh, shackles. And this is Tears for Fears. It's a mad world. Kitty says this song is overrated. I think Izzy thinks it's a little bit overrated. I think people just say that because it's so been widely covered so much by every kind of raspy, singing white chick recently. Like it gets very heavily covered. In fact, I think on the, on the show The Voice, everyone had to do a version of this. Um, but welcome back. We're talking about Immigration. Remember, you can always get the show in the form of a podcast if you can't uh, make it live on on Saturday afternoon. Anywhere you get podcasts. Also, I encourage you to download Keys to the City, which is the podcast that comes on Thursday that I produce. Um, I've been doing a lot of the talking. I know that people have some stuff they want to get off their chest about this. The board is full up. We're talking about immigration. And um, let's go to some of those calls. Uh, First, uh, Mike in Princeton. Mike, thank you so much for holding on.
2: Yeah, how you doing, Anthony? Uh, First of all, you you listed, you you quoted the uh, inflation rate in Venezuela today. It's 147% or something. Yes, sir. Can you please tell me what it was five or six years ago before it became a socialist country when the oil was flowing there? You have any idea before it became a socialist Bef- country? Before like Maduro, me, well,
1: country? before Maduro and before COVID and before the shutdown. Hey, remember, all these oil-rich countries that just have one stock, one stock and trade, they all hit the skids at about the same time. But it wasn't a hyperinflation state forever. That's the problem with Latin America. You can't say this. This is stability is about how long they can hold it together. But that's where it is today. But are you making the point that they're a mess because they're a socialist country? I agree.
2: All right. Can I ask you a question about immigration? Yes, sir. You talk about the numbers. When are we going to call this an invasion? Can you tell me, you're a smart guy, right? On June 6, 1944, how many people invaded, invaded the invasion at Normandy Beach? Do you know how many American, British, and That's Australian troops?
1: That's a great question. How many?
2: 160,000. You know how many illegal aliens crossed over our border in one month? Two hundred mm. and twenty thousand. And this government don't know what to call it. Well, yeah. one's an invasion and the other is called what?
1: So here's the thing about the illegal part. When people come over the con- come over the border and then present themselves to a border officer and say, I'm here declaring, um, uh, asserting asylum, that's not illegal.
2: Every one of those two million people that came over has done that. The over- what, okay, The not, overwhelming. None of the trail loaded people dying coming over. None of the people drowning coming over. None of the fentanyl mules coming over. They all report to an ISA agent. Well, let me ask you this.
1: Let me ask you this. Where did the guys in Martha's Vineyard, how, how did they wind up on a plane?
2: They wound up on a plane because they come across the border illegally. No,
1: what, no, they the, all had the,
2: paper. Where are they supposed? Where are the people in El Paso supposed to do? Take f- fifteen hundred a day?
1: No, hold where, on a second. Hold on, on a second. Hold, hold on. So, well, I, I I appreciate it, Mike, but but let's 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 we'll try to get our terms defined here. Those people, they know they 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 would have been in incarcerated or they would have been turned back to another country if they were in any way a risk. And they did, were not eligible to apply for asylum. These laws that your legislature passed, your Congress passed, and were signed by your president at some point, uh, you know, going back as far as FDR, these laws say that if you come to this country like like many people did, generations of people, and you say, I am here to assert my right to asylum, you get a hearing. Now, the problem is it takes forever to get those hearings. <clears throat> So they give you some paperwork. They give you a tentative date. Sometimes they give you a phone. They, you give them the name of where you're going to be, and then you're turned into – you're basically let loose into the country. But you are at that point completely legal. That's why otherwise DeSantis and this woman, Perla, and everyone else would be committing a crime because all of these people were here um, undocumented. They have documents in a way right now. They have an appointment to see an asylum judge. And by the way, what's the matter? Does anyone want to call in and tell me if they oppose hiring another 10,000 hearing officers to hear asylum cases right there at the border so we can do it in a matter of days, not a matter of months or years? That's called an idea to make things better. But the Republicans in Congress have said, okay, I have some history with this. The Gang of Eight was a group of of senators— who got together with members of, the, of Congress, of the House of Representatives, Democrat and Republican, and said, let's work out a deal. When a deal was worked out and it was approved in the Senate, the all heck broke loose, and Marco Rubio went from being a presidential frontrunner to being someone who will never be president again because he supported, quote-unquote, amnesty, because he didn't say we're going to arrest 13 million people. There are ideas on how to do this, but but Mike points out that a lot of people misunderstand, and Mike, I really appreciate the call, points out that a lot of people misunderstand this situation and believe that all these people are are illegal. They are not. Richard uh, is calling, uh, just says from New York about immigration. Sorry to keep you holding so long, Richard.
0: No problem. I'm confused by what you're saying, though. You said that. Under Trump, not 2 million people were stopped. Were they not stopped or were they not there?
1: They were not there. This is way worse than it was under Trump. 19 got really bad. Remember the caravans? and 19, it got really bad. This is now past, surpassed anything because of the economy. Look, I got news for everybody. You can track a direct line from the economy in Latin America, or in some cases famine and COVID and things like that, to how many people come to our border. It's a straight correlation. So, yes, it, it, it was the, – the situation in Latin America got really bad with violence in 2019, but not as many people were showing – this is a disaster what's going on right now. How many people are showing up at our border?
2: But there there has to be a solution to that.
1: It is h- – Not once
2: they get here. We don't want them to come to
1: the border. I understand that. That's why the, part of the solution is helping these countries to keep them where they are. But it's easier said than done. These 50 people, human beings, by the way, that are in, in, in went to Martha's Vineyard now, they're at Cape Cod, they're in a military base in Cape Cod. Do You know how far they had to travel and by what form? They traveled about 2,000 miles, much of it on foot through the jungle. You think they're coming because of because of some obscure provision of our law, they just need to find a way to feed their families, and we are the place that they look. And they know, but the other thing that they know, they know there's an, a dramatic labor shortage among the kinds of jobs that they can get. If these people were, you know, basically, it's a, it's every time, they read the newspapers, they know we need agriculture workers desperately. We need uh, construction workers desperately.
2: Uh, you know, um... Boat people, dock people.
1: I'm sorry, Richard?
2: How about somebody from uh, Jobs and Martha's Vineyard? How come they were just... Not allowed to even have an opportunity there. That's
1: a great question. First of all, Martha's Vineyard, it's like, what would be the equivalent? I don't know. I mean, I've I've only been to Martha's Vineyard once or twice, but it would be the equivalent. I mean, sending them to Boston. By the way, they were told they were going to Boston. I bet you some of those people, although they don't, from what I've read in most of the stories, they couldn't find a single one that really spoke English very well. Most of those people probably said yes when they heard Boston, because Boston is a place that can probably find work. But here's a problem, Richard, and thank you so much for calling. The problem is technically under the law. They can't work while their asylum application is is being completed. Now, they're going to because they have to survive. And probably even the most hardcore law-abiding American would probably say, well, if they're here, we want them working, not just being on welfare. And they want to work. As I said in my intro, the first thing that they all say when they trick these people into getting on these trains and buses, on these planes and buses, what do they offer them? They say you'll get that work documentation if you come here. They don't know any better. I mean, it's, it's horrible, to be honest. But, but yeah, that's the problem. They're technically not allowed to work. What, what about, you know, I don't know, at least while you're on, you're waiting for your asylum hearing. Maybe it shouldn't work. I don't know what the solution is to that. I guess I can see the reason for not incentivizing them. But that's what's going on. Millions of people are showing up because the situation is just horrible in Latin America right now. Um, next, let's go to Jack and Rockland. Jack, thank you so much for calling the middle today. Um,
3: These people that you say were tricked onto buses, were they tricked onto the planes that landed at Westchester
1: Airport? No, that's a different population of people. I don't have any problem with people being flown around the country from... From the border. I'm going to make that clear. It's it's
3: pretty interesting where they're being flown to. It seems like they're being flown into purple areas, trying to make them more blue.
1: No, but no. Let me, let me, let me, but hold on. I'm I'm going to let you make your point, Jack, but let me just clear this up because some people have have raised this point before. The the flying that's being done by DHS is, uh, by DHS and by um, sometimes Health and Human Services also. These are people that have sponsoring organizations or relatives that will commit to bringing them back for asylum all around the country. And it's not just – and they come in, quote-unquote, in the middle of the night, quote-unquote, because that is what what the contracts we have with the air carriers say bring them in on the absolute – Cheapest time, and by the way, flying them from the border to where they have family that can support them and where they have uh, support organizations is what they should be doing. But go ahead, Jack. Why don't you make your other point? It's
3: funny you say they fly them in the cheapest time. By law, Westchester Airport has to close and can't have any arrivals due to noise ordinances around nine or ten p.m. And these flights came in in the middle of night, which meant. They had to pay overtime for all the ground support staff. So these were not cheap flights. They're the, the
1: cheapest. As a matter of fact, it, <sighs> if you go online, you can see the actual contract, the RFPs that they had to fill out to say that they're doing it at the cheapest time. But, but was there another point you wanted to make? Because we're getting close he, to a break.
3: Yeah, okay. My other point is you said we're going to do background checks on these people and make sure they're not bad. Are you going to go to Columbia to the town clerk and find these records? Because we know how notoriously reliable the records out of Latin America are. The bottom line is you have no idea what kind of path. Now, I deal with a lot of these people. Ninety-nine percent of the great people just want what my grandparents wanted when they came to this country.
1: Jack, I appreciate it. That's a great question. We have asylum officers have a tough job. They've got to make these determinations. Immigration's a tough thing to enforce, but we we do our best. I'm not saying it's a hundred percent. We let some people in from Saudi Arabia we never should have done. We'll take a few more calls when we get back. There's a great conversation on the Middle.
0: It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner, 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Finding new ways to make change. Reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC.
1: Fears for Fears is our band today. That is uh, Pale, Pale Shelter. Is, he? is that how that, that song is? Uh, every Saturday from 2 to 3, we're here. You can always get it as a podcast. Coming in at 3 o'clock the top of the hour, Curtis and I are going to be talking. I'm going to tell him about uh, an exchange I had with the NYPD down this, the, what's my precinct, the 6th, the 5th precinct. And we're talking about immigration today. The conversation's been a good one. I mean, I, I, I know I have this. It's just one of the reasons I got out of politics, and one of the reasons I was kind of reluctant to come back and and do a show. And one of the things I I shared with John Katzmetidis and with Chad Lopez is like I don't, I think the stuff that goes on in much of media around issues is performative. I just think it's too much about the friction and not enough about the idea that issues have nuance. And immigration, the body of immigration law has for the entire. Time in our country been a source of friction. Who should be here? Who do we let in? What does it mean to be an American? The age-old joke about the guy who walks through the turnstile at Ellis Island and turns to the guy behind him and says, Get out of my country. These are not new problems. But I think what has become difficult in this environment, and the reason we don't have an environment, is that that we can get stuff done is that we have stopped incentivizing people coming together in the middle and center. let's talk about the facts of this problem and let's talk about what we can give to get what we ultimately want. And it has become just a food fight, just a mud fight. And this week in Martha's Vineyard, you have this performative candidate for for president. And then you have all the people on the left media performing their outrage about it. And I don't think we get very far. But but today we're having a, a, a conversation. I find it it's it's rewarding. And I apologize if I sound exasperated. I'm really not. I'm really excited, as I mentioned a little later. We're going out. Uh, Jordan and I are going out to a ferry hawk's game with some of his friends out on Staten Island. I explained earlier what the ferry hawk was named for a, fairy, a hawk that used to carry people across the water. And Izzy pointed out correctly uh, something that's that's on the Wikipedia page about ferry hawks that they once tried to train ferry hawks to carry cargo that they would each take the corner of like a really big kind of like Ikea bag and carry stuff across. But it was very difficult. There were a lot of, you know, who's the lead ferry hawk turned out to be the problem. Anyway, let's go back to the phones for a couple of final uh, calls on this. Um, Let's go to uh, Pia in New York. Pia, thank you so much for holding on.
4: Hi, thank you. Uh, It's the first time I'm listening to the show, and uh, you've made some wonderful comments that opened my uh, thoughts on things. But, I have to tell you, it is frustrating to hear both sides, the, the extreme left and the right, to carry on this way, because the problem is the problem. First of all, I'm an immigrant. I came here in the 50s as an asylum. Uh, we were granted that because of World War II and Europe, and I'm grateful. And I think that era of immigrants was really proud to be here and happy to be here and did everything possible to stay under the radar and work hard and do what needed to get done. I'm really tired of hearing immigrants that need help when they're actually illegal aliens. They have the first thing they did coming to this country is break a law. And we're treating them with, and I understand they're humans and I, it, it's truly a fact of humanity that we should be caring that these people don't do what they're doing and take the chances they're taking and be sold into sex trafficking. And God knows what else goes on that we're not even being told. This is terrible. We need to put ourselves back into some sort of order. I mean, it's this is not a military state, but it is a country, and we will not survive if we don't do something on many levels. You know, including our, our quality of life on a daily basis. I, I live in New York. It's it's disgusting.
1: Yeah. What's well, going we're going on? to talk a little bit more about that final point with uh, Curtis when it comes in. Well, Pi, I appreciate your insights, and you. There's something to that. There's something to what Pi says that. A lot of the people, and it's about 13.5 million, it's a difficult number to really get your arms around, that are here in the United States undocumented in many, many cases, maybe an overwhelming majority of cases. They came here on some kind of work program and didn't leave. And part of the reason they didn't leave is that some of those programs were not renewed, so they lost the confidence that if they left, they'd be able to come back in. Many of them have had now had children in this country who, you know, the so-called dreamers who... Yes, their parents did, you know, were here undocumented. But what did they do wrong? These kids have gone to college; they become just as much American as my kids. But P is not wrong. That 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 part of what is going to have to happen, and that's why I don't believe in in amnesty in the classic sense of just kind of throw up your hands and say whoever's here is here legally. If you came here in that circumstance, you overstayed. Then you pay a, some kind of a penalty, a fine, or a, or a sanction of some sort. You don't get in the front of the line; you get at the end of the line. You don't jump ahead of people that did not violate the rules. We give you some kind of documentation so we make sure you paid your taxes. There are a lot of – there are different gradations of things going on. There's no doubt about it. But right now the status quo, as Pia points out, is that it's very difficult to separate the wheat from the chaff. That if you really care about keeping the worst of the worst out of this country, then let's narrow it down so we're not looking for needles in haystacks. Right. Let's let all these undocumented people that are working in our restaurants, working in our car washes, that are working in our in our stores, that are working, that are working hard, that we say hello to every day and consider them our neighbors. Let's figure out something to get that number down to to a reasonable number. And we say to them, if you step out of the shadows. This is the deal that we're going to give you. But the problem has been the political will to do that. There has to be political will on the part primarily of my Republican friends to say I'm going to stand up when someone beats me up on, on talk radio. I supported an amnesty. Like, you know, I'm going to stand up to that. And to the people on the left who think that every single person that came here, irrespective of how they came, we should treat them exactly the same. I disagree with that. There are, there are different gradations here. Um, and if you're here, for example, and you don't have a good record – then you lost any right to say, "Trust me um but these are this is what we need adults to handle, and if anyone thinks that the political debate today is happening among adults, they're not paying attention people using scoffing at the idea of sanctuary cities, making up stories about what it means, creating press events out of children getting off of planes to be to be united with family members. Thinking that that you know that they, you know, there are a lot of. Here's the summary. I think there are a lot of people, left and right, but I'm going to say primarily on the right, but left also, who want the issue. They don't want a solution. They want the issue, and I don't have tolerance for that. I don't have patience for that. Most Americans, they they believe that's the whole thing is that it's all an act. That politics and governance, it's all phony. That it's just a bunch of people performing, and I know. Look, look we here on, on Talk Radio 77, we love having arguments, we love the pontificating, we love bringing on guests who say uh, you know, things that, that are controversial. But I think if we really care about this country and love it the way that I do and I know my listeners do, they want to fix stuff. They've got like Pia's perspective. Let's get this under control. Let's come up with solutions. Don't throw up your hands and say we're not going to do anything but also – don't do a bunch of stunts and shows and performances and see sh- who so can shout louder than the last guy. My name's Anthony Weiner. It's been so great to have you on The Middle. I am so grateful for this show. I hope you think of all the things that you're grateful for. Um, coming back at the top of the hour, me and my friend Curtis Lewa are going to talk about ordering at McDonald's with a hatchet. You'll see what I mean on the other side. Thank you so much for being here.